this is again adding to the theory that Ryan Murphy is a next Supremes listener. Ryan, you could have this just can't be a me. coincidence. Like, I know I could have told you what the perfect song would have been, and it's not gooey. We're also watching the new spin-off series, American Horror Stories, because, well, we have many other things to do, but our devotion is true and very real. (laughs) (laughs) We've got our priorities straight. Rubber Woman last week and this episode and this week we bring you a review of the third episode of American Horror Stories titled Drive-In where a screening of a forbidden film has disastrous consequences. Listen, I I cannot imagine a premise that is more tailored to all my many interests. This feels like your moment. This is your episode. I feel like I, uh, someone did like steal my thoughts. <laughs> but be- <laughs> I will pepper all the reasons why throughout our conversation. Okay. But what did you think of this episode? What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with this. And I think this episode, it really clicked in oh cool this is the potential that this new series has of these very self-contained high concept um sort of bold but simple stories Mm -hmm. i would say because this is the kind of thing you can never do a full season about but it works so it works so well as just like a one-off little um sort of um like tales of the crypt kind mm-hmm. of horror show episode is that what it was called tales tales of the crypt i never actually watched it yeah yeah there was a show called tales, tales of the crypt with a crypt keeper and he's like me yeah. <laughs> yes he's like me because <laughs> i always watched the twilight zone but that was always it was like high the highbrow stuff mm. <laughs> I mean, the I I completely agree with you. Where this it, this does, I think the Rubber Woman really tried to tie in too much to American Horror Story and, and Murder House in particular. This just feels like it's a standalone, good solid story, and it feeds into this all like all American traditions, like the tradition of the drive-in, and this obsession with pop culture that obviously kind of peppers all of Ryan Murphy's productions. And it feels very much part of like a horror anthology now, as opposed to necessarily a spin off of American Horror Story, if that makes sense. And this feels like the kinds of stories they should be doing because this, even though this isn't necessarily based on anything, it has the quality of an urban legend. Mm. And it feels like that's, you know, when you say American Horror Story, I mean, that's what you immediately think of is, you know, conspiracy theories and 
sort of old folk tales and the urban legends like the what's the one with the killer writes on the ceiling good thing you didn't look up or something <laughs> and it's the dog nailed to the ceiling or you know like the, i'm surprised that you haven't done that yet because that really seems like a thing that should be an american horror story i love the i love the premise it actually really it really reminded me of another horror anthology series called masters of horror did you ever watch it no so this was um kind of airing in the mid 2000s and I think it ran for two seasons and basically they invited like horror directors to direct uh, an episode of this anthology series very basically the same premise they were all standalone stories um one episode that was sort of movie length like an hour an hour and a bit and yeah. there's an episode directed by John Carpenter actually called Cigarette Burns which also revol- revolved around this idea of a film that was so cursed or designed to provoke mass hysteria or madness that it caused a homicidal riot during its first and only screening. And then there's like a whole plot with like a, a private detective trying to find it and blah, blah. Like it gets a lot more complicated and supernaturally, but the premise, the step, the basic the basic premise is similar it's basically the same like there's a film that is so is designed to induce homicidal madness in its audience is that based on anything because i don't really know if there is like a you know an urban legend about some movie that makes you go crazy though there have been urban legends about movies like that actually they mention it in the episode they mention it in about the exorcist so at the end of the episode um the the director larry bitterman which is such a terrible name for a film director (laughs) he's a bitter man yeah (laughs) he says that um william freakin the director of the exorcist had spliced in two frames of the demon into the film and that made people like have seizures and and have physical effects during the screenings and that was just two frames and he like took it to the next level by adding in creative sound and more subliminal messages and and it is and it is true that like there there are very quick frames that last i think about an eighth of a second in the exorcist and people supposedly reacted to it but you know that i think even william friedkin has gone and has done interviews where he talks about like yeah that was you know maybe impressive when it was showing in in screenings and nobody could pause the film and they weren't quite sure whether they had seen what they had seen but then in the age of vhs dvds and so on you can just press pause and you'll see exactly what it was well that's um that's also true of the shining yeah right? there is um splice into the movie there's a like a faint voice mm-hmm. going chanting something people think it's the word shun or something to do with the shining so it's i think it's like a not it's a not uncommon technique for mm-hmm. directors to like sub- put little subliminals in to try and unnerve people mm. and i think it's the the marketing machine and the moral panic around the possibility of this that becomes much bigger than the reality of it, really. 
um and they kind of um what do you what do you make of the way that they sort of intersect that sort of myth of a cursed film that can make people go crazy with the very real figure of Tipper Gore who appears in this episode <laughs> I mean it's a very American horror story thing to do <laughs> I like to try and sort of collide the the paranormal or mythical with like the, the very grounded and real mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't <laughs> I don't know. It's again sort of colliding two issues that I don't think necessarily link that well because typical was never like there's too many subliminals in The Exorcist, right? No, she was more about music. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean she was the reason they have the explicit warning stickers on CDs, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about yeah. her, I'll be honest. She is. She is the reason those exist. And actually, uh, once again, I'm going to direct people to the wonderful podcast you're wrong about, who did a whole episode um, talking about the moral panic that Tipagor not caused, but sort of reacted to and the the after effects of what she actually achieved, which were those like explosive lyrics stickers to be C-C- put on, on CDs and I think it was today's, yeah. I'm not up to that episode yet, so I'm still behind. I'm still lacking the knowledge. Oh, dude, I've like re-listened to every single of their episodes about three times by now. I'm like, can you please put up more content? I need it. I need it in my ears. I'm up to the episode where they talk about the OJ Simpson Bronco chase, which is a great episode. I mean, the the OJ Simpson series is going to go on till at least like 2023, and I'm so here for it. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> and what do you make of the um the way that they like bring in cuz we we talk a lot about kind of cinematic references and insensitive historical references but this episode is like steeped in Hollywood culture and movie and specifically I guess like horror film culture too. What did you make of the way that it used that? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I really, <laughs> I enjoyed the amount of like horror publications they kept name dropping. Oh, all of them. Bloody disgusting, Dread Central, Fangoria. <laughs> I don't know if somebody like did a Google. <laughs> like, we got to put them all in. We got to put them all in. I think they probably did. And I guess also they didn't want to name one because they people might assume that there was like some sort of advertorial partnership or something. Yeah, or maybe that there is some truth to this, which obviously it's a completely made up Mm. uh, cursed film. (laughs) (laughs) I did love the scene with the projectionist. Yes, where she talks about telling Kubrick to fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love it because it's sort of... I would say a lot of the references in this are not particularly subtle. Oh, no. I mean, it's like they go, oh, will this be like, you know, that guy, <laughs> William Castle? <laughs> or, or, you know, yeah, going, I told Kubrick, I argued with Kubrick over the perspective of a clockwork orange and I told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's, 
you know, it's not getting particularly deep into horror history, but it's still in, it's enjoyable in a, like, fun. It's just fun. Yeah. And, like, as someone who is very steeped in horror culture, I did really enjoy all the name dropping and all this thing of, like, let's go to the special drive-in of this weird-ass movie from the 70s, although they don't never explicitly say from what it was from the 90s, I'm guessing, because of when, in the 80s, when Tipper Gore was active and doing that thing, and when she would be doing mm. that weird committee hearing thing. But, like, all of that being resurrected, and it being a, a single special driving event, and the fact that then on 4chan they were talking about a follow-up underground screening, and this idea of, like, these teenagers commuting commuting to go see this weird ass horror film see if they get murdered love that and i liked the reveal that the the bitterman guy (laughs) mr bitterman actually worked on the subliminals in the exorcist i think what was he he was like associate second assistant cutter second assistant cutter like he was responsible for subliminals in the exorcist and he was so mad because it lost best picture to the sting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like i love that touch like that's really like that was a fun little thing yeah yeah 100 percent. also can we talk about um the actors because larry bitterman here is played by twisty the clown himself mr oh my god his name is john carroll lynch yes mr john carroll lynch who it's, it's really walking a fine line between, like, menacing, creepy, and just plain, like, bitter. I think, like, that's what he's so good at. Because we were talking in, our, in like, our other <laughs> series, but the hotel, when we were talking about him being John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that part of his his craft as an actor is that he's so good at balancing the sinister and the banal which was sort of kind mm-hmm. of john wayne gacy's vibe <laughs> I don't want to yeah. say vibe because yeah. he's a serial killer but vibe and i think there's a similar thing going on here where yeah he both comes off as a sort of like <laughs> tarantino-esque <laughs> kind of loud mouth like very angry about hollywood guy uh, but he's also a terrifying person who, you know, made a film that kills people and, you know, saying that he was incorporating, like, the, the research of MK Ultra to try and make the perfect horror movie that would, you know, scare everyone on a, a base level, like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's an interesting balance between, like, um, like, nerdy... <laughs> <laughs> kind of annoying director guy type and genuine threat to society. I fucking love Larry Bitterman in this film. <laughs> like the this is my own horror slash Hollywood history slash programmer nerdum like going into the darkest possible time. I was like, you get put in jail for punching Tipagore in the face. And yes. then you spend all that time doing your research into how to make people go insane with subliminal messages and audio. Larry, babes, <laughs> just like do a film club. 
Yeah. Also, can I can I just bring up something that happens in this episode? Yes. That made me scream. What is it? I texted you about this. My favorite. Oh yes, yes. My yes, favorite band started playing in the middle of this episode, and I'm not even joking. I legitimately, I lost my shit. As I said, this ep- this is your episode. <laughs> this episode has come from my dreams, my inner being, my nightmares, the worst version of me. <laughs> One of the worst versions of me is the one who will not shut the fuck up about glass animals. So the minute Gooey started playing, it starts playing when they're in the drive-in. And it's like their biggest song, to be honest. Not the most appropriate song for that scene. I would have picked a different one. Should have done their research a little bit better. They've got songs that really fit into the vibe of the episode a lot more. Gooey is like a sexy song. That was not a sexy scene. They're just queuing to get in the (laughs) drive-in. But... I'm very excited that Glass Animals and American Horror Story, two interests that are distinctly niche and not at all related, have intersected in an episode about horror movie screenings. I'm so happy. This is again adding to the theory that Ryan Murphy is a next Supremes listener. Ryan, you could have this just can't be a me. coincidence. Like. I know, I could have told you what the perfect song would have been, and it's not gooey. Look, but this is what we've had, you know, we got a Haunted Mansion mention, but the facts were incorrect. You get a Glass Animal song, but it's not the right song. It's not the right song. The right song would have been Space Goes Coast to Coast. That would have been the right song. Wait, Space Goes Coast to Coast? Yeah, like that's the one TV of the show. <laughs> yeah, they've got, a, they've got a new, they're actually promoting their newest album in the States now. So, like, the timing is also fantastic for them. Good for them. Um, I mean, I don't know if they know that their song is playing in American Horror Stories. Like, who the fuck knows? But they do have a song on their new album called Space Goes Coast to Coast. Um. <laughs> I loved that show, so I will be listening to that song. <laughs> oh, if you, if I get you hooked onto Glass Animals, my work here is done. It is complete. I will be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Also, did I ever tell you the weirdest thing that happened to me with this band? No. Okay, uh, let me just preface this. I don't know them. I don't know anyone who works for them. I've never met him. I've never even seen them live. I'm going to go see them live um, when their like, tour is back up and running now, um, hopefully. But I was going... I got really into them over lockdown one. And I'd heard them before, but got really into listening like properly to their albums. They only had two albums up until that point. They've just released the third one. And I was walking to meet a friend in Finsbury Park. And on walking there, I was listening to Glass Animals, because at that time, I was literally only just listening to them. <laughs> and on the floor, by the trash, there was... A still sealed, brand new vinyl album of their first album. Huh? Yes. And a vinyl, a single, the single Gooey, which is a song that plays in this episode, also on the floor. It was not sealed, so it wasn't brand new, but still. Hmm. Right. I want to let me theorize what happened. Theorize. <laughs> I want to say it was two people in a relationship. Wait, wait, I forgot to add a detail. 
Okay, add the detail. This was also the day that their third latest album had come out, and I had pre-bought the vinyl. So it was also the day the vinyl had arrived at my house. Oh, okay. This complicates things. Okay. A person, <laughs> a glass <laughs> animals fan. <laughs> no, wait, how would this work? But I mean, the new album, I think, is completely unrelated. It's just some kismet. No, but that must be, they must have gone to buy the new album. Right? No, so I bought the new album, so I knew that was coming. But the ones that I found on the street by the trash were the first album and a single from the first album. Yeah, but it has to be connected. It can't just happen to be the same day the new album comes out. Right? So something happened. That person went out to buy the third album. Was like, let me pick up the first album and the single on the way. Something happened. <laughs> Do you think it was maybe like a couple and somebody had broken up with one with someone and they threw the vinyls on in the trash because it was a present from the person who broke up with them or because it was that person's favorite album or band and they just wanted to spite them? See, that would have been my theory, but then where was the third album? But that the third, would also, right? third album was not on the street, though. Yeah, but they would be on the street, right? Because if they had bought the two... Sorry, <laughs> this is like <laughs> detective work. Yeah. If they bought the, the album, the first album, the first single, on the day that the third album had released, they obviously bought the third album as well. That's too much of a coincidence not to have happened. So if this had been like a dumping situation, you would expect the third album to have also been lying near the trash. But remember, the single was open and it was it had been listened to, but the album itself was still wrapped in its plastic. So this is my theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> An established Glass Animals fan who's listened to the previous albums on Spotify. Had said, today's the day I'm gonna buy <laughs> album one, single one, also album three. Uh huh. They had brought with them a Walkman. <laughs> had purchased the third album and the first single on CD. <laughs> Went to sit on a park bench. Decided to, to listen. Well, like, oh, let's, let me listen to the, the first single first. Warm myself up. Right, cool. Know the song. Okay, let me let me dig into the new album. Wait a, a oh my god! Holy <laughs> shit! Wow! Oh, their other music is shit compared to this. <laughs> they dump the first album and the first single, and they walk away happy with their no, CD copy of the third album. So they bought the CD <laughs> of the third album, but they bought the other, the first one on vinyl. There was a special deal on at the store. <laughs> It was reduced. Because <laughs> usually they buy CDs, but like, I'm gonna, vinyl sometimes are good to. I'm gonna say, display. I'm gonna say your theory would work. It would track if the person in this scenario were listening to a tape cassette as opposed to a CD. Because you, I will have you know, as an established Glass Animals fan, that they also simultaneously released the album on CD, vinyl, and cassette. In fact, four different. 
individually designed cassettes with the images of the different four members of the band on each one of the different versions of the cassette. Yeah, but what if they didn't own a cassette by then and they would have bought it on CD? I think for anyone... I think it's safe to assume that anyone kind of who's that much of a hardcore Glass Animals fan has perhaps owned, unironically, a cassette player. You know they're coming back, right? Like, people are actively releasing their new music on cassettes. This is true, but in my theory, this person is not a hardcore fan. They're a casual fan, which hence... Hence them throwing away the first album and single <laughs> because they decided they just did not like it as much as the third album. Okay, I have another theory. What's your theory? My theory is, and it's uh, dramatic, as okay. per usual. And my theory is that someone, probably a boy, was like to his girlfriend, I'm sorry to be all hetero for this theory, he was like, oh my god, you need to listen to this amazing band. There's two bands, Tame Impala and there's Glass Animals. Um, and obviously you only have to listen to them on vinyl because it's the only real way to listen to music, babes. And they play they play for this girl the 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 song, the top song, Gooey, which is their breakout single. They get her the single. Perhaps he works in the music industry. Perhaps he already had it and he lent it to her to listen to. Um, and then as a way to force slash incentivize her to continue listening to this band, he buys her the full album on vinyl. She never gets around to it. They break up. And she's cleaning house, getting ready for Hot Girl Summer. By the way, this was 2020 when I found this on the street. She sees, she finds this vinyl. She's listened to the single. Could never really be asked to listen to the full album. Never even opened it. Never even, like, you know, ripped the plastic. So she's like, oh, fuck that guy. He was such a douchebag. Always going on about Glass Animals and Tame Impala and like fucking Old J and stuff. Oh, throw him in the bin. See, yes. Okay. <laughs> if it had been any other day, I would have believed that theory. But the day that the third album is released, look, Sherlock Holmes would say, <laughs> those two events must be connected. Maybe. They must. They must. Or. Or. Third theory. Oh. Big Glass Animals fan, or no, just new fan, new fan, mm-hmm. decides to buy all of the albums Ooh. in a tote bag, walking the way home. There's an attempted theft. <gasps> they try and grab the tote bag. No. The Glass Animals fan digs their hand and manages to grab two <laughs> CDs before the, the robber runs away with the tote bag. The robber is not a Glass Animals fan. <laughs> Looks in. Sees a CD and a vinyl goes, ugh, no. Or maybe has a listen. Listens to the CD to be like, what's this? Nope, don't like that. <laughs> Why are you getting the CDs from? This is an entirely vinyl exclusive story. <laughs> no, I thought you said there was one CD. I thought you said there was a vinyl and a no, CD. No, two vinyls. There's two vinyls. Two vinyls. Well, that complicates everything. Because <laughs> how do they listen to the one vinyl and not the other? Which is why I was both amused and uh, confused right. as to why you were bringing okay, in the I'm CD. Okay, I'm sorry. 
in my situation, I thought you told me there was a CD and a vinyl. No, it's the vin- the uh, sealed brand new vinyl of the album, first album, Zaba, and the opened and listened to vinyl single of oh, Gooey. This is truly a mystery <laughs> because I am convinced the third album has to be a part of this story. It has to. So they obviously bought three, all three, something happened that mm. made them go disgusting. Don't want these first two. Because also what complicates this theory is, oh my god, this is going to interest, like, me. <laughs> and people who like puzzles, people love Very puzzles, true. tweet in, what do you think is the solution to this puzzle? The other thing to note is that because of the way that those pre-orders worked, so that third album, Dreamer, that came out in twenty in summer of 2020, it arrived on that day. But obviously it had been it would only arrive oh. on that day for people who had pre-ordered it. So like it was not months available. before. So it had not been available until that very day. Okay, okay. So they went to the shop to stock up on previous glass animals. But then they would have listened to the one single, because that was the open one. Someone who's never listened to Glass Animals before, <laughs> they get recommended by their shitty partner. Let's say it's a straight man. <laughs> Just for an example. And and he goes, babe, you've got to listen to Glass Animals. He, babe, this, this band's going to change your life, babes. Yeah, he's ordered the third album. He goes out and he gets her the, yeah, I think your theory kind of works, but we have to twist it slightly to incorporate the arrival of the third album because he's making her listen to it because the third album is coming that day. Yeah. They're going to have a dinner party at night yeah. where they're going to sit and listen to the full third yeah, album. Yeah, listening together. party. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's, he's trying to get her to do the homework. She decides somewhere along this journey that she does not want to be with this man anymore. Mm-hmm possibly really put her off him forever <laughs> i'm sorry i know it's your favorite band but maybe this woman is not a good woman <laughs> they break up uh-huh. in between listens because <gasps> she says i don't want to be with a man who likes the song gooey <laughs> oh my god Oh my god, and he gets so angry because he's like, oh my god, I cannot be with someone who does not appreciate the genius of Glass Animals. Like, how dare you? Let me explain the song to you. I don't think you got it. I don't think you got Listen to the different production layers of the song, babe, okay? I, th- I need you to understand. You're smart. You're a smart cookie. You can understand this. Let me explain it to you. And then she gets mad and she breaks the new <gasps> limited edition pre-ordered third album on vinyl, oh which god. just arrived that day. Which is what I would do if anyone tried to mansplain anything to me. She says, I only listen to Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) I don't listen to any other kind of music. (laughs) I only listen to Hamilton. She storms off. She's saying, I'm not not gonna miss my shot. I'm breaking up with you right now. But she takes the Glass Animals albums. And she dumps them on the street. She dumps them. Five minutes later, I stroll by with my little tote bag, which is oh perfectly sized <gasps> to carry three different glass animals vinyls. Mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was a long way of saying 
good for them their song was featured in American Horror Stories. Yes. <laughs> also, yes. Good for Bob Ross. <laughs> That's very good for Bob Ross. Um, I do want to say, mm-hmm. is a fan of ASMR. Oh. The boyfriend is like, yeah, ASMR makes those bitches horny. Does it? Does it, though? I don't it's know. It's not. I think it's a relaxed thing. It's a relaxing thing. It's therapy. It's not to fuck. It's not a pre-fuck thing. You listen to ASMR. Who? Who is watching Bob Ross and getting horny? Nobody. <laughs> Hey, don't be mean to Bob Ross. He could excite people. Emotionally, spiritually, (laughs) he wasn't painting those paintings to get people to fuck each other. That wasn't his purpose on Earth. Maybe it was the subliminal messages, Clarice. (laughs) (laughs) As he was painting dicks the entire time. I just feel like it's a misunderstanding of the ASMR community. ASMR is for very stressed out people like me who need to relax. <laughs> I will say, though, I do find it's, I agree with you in principle, but as someone who always try, like tends to see the grotesque version of things, I do find it suspicious that most of the ASMR content creators that I've seen pop up on on TikTok, on YouTube, and whatnot are usually very pretty, long nailed women who are doing the ASMR bits. Yeah, I mean, look, there's certainly like a Freudian element to ASMR, but <laughs> I don't think it's like a prelude. You know, it's not foreplay. Hmm. I just, I feel confident in saying that if you <laughs> want to set the mood, you do not put on an episode of Bob Ross. No, you put on Glass Animals, especially the first album, Zabba, which is basically the horniest album I've ever listened to after, like, Prince. There we go. There we go. Also, I would say, don't call a woman an oyster ready for shucking. <laughs> <laughs> the I just dialogue. feel like... The boys in this episode of particularly Clueless, which is very funny. <laughs> but kind of endearing as well. I quite I quite like them. They're very old school teen horror movie boys. Very old school teen horror movie boys. Mm-hmm. And I liked the friend, her friend, who said, if you can't handle a finger in your ear, how are you going to handle a dick in your... And I think she cuts him off. But <laughs> Yeah. And I wanted to ask you as well about your thoughts on the ending of the story. Well, both of the endings. So Larry Bitterman, um, he gets set on fire by the kids. Yeah, and then they walk away. And then as they're about to have sex, they've got Netflix opened up on their desktop. Yes, I'm sorry. The film pops up as a new release. Yes. It's pretty fucking great. And then suddenly it's like explosions. Yeah, <laughs> it's the purge. I love that it goes full purge immediately. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I thought it was a cute ending. 
Because it's sort of like, it does sort of make like sense. It's like, all right, so it's like the 21st century version of the yeah. cursed film would obviously be like infiltrated through the through distributed through the internet and there's so many urban legends about like cursed internet things so yeah i don't know about netflix that's quite funny but <laughs> i do think i thought that was quite funny because obviously this show in the states is airing on hulu but ryan murphy has a massive um development deal production deal with netflix which so is thought- how they got margaret thatcher in the last episode yeah so um that was like a curious thing but i mean obviously everything's dandy yeah also like let's be real if there was a cursed film it would not be on hulu (laughs) no it would definitely be on netflix it would definitely be on netflix yeah (laughs) that's how they'd reach the more the more the most the most eyeballs yeah no one gets no one wants to be murdered by hulu (laughs) Which streaming service would you be murdered by? Would you want to be murdered by, Clarice? Absolutely Mubi. (laughs) Mubi can kill me anytime. Oh my god. Oh my god, intense advertising. It's just the first cow comes out of the screen and stabs me with her horns. (laughs) (laughs) She had horns. (laughs) The first cow tramples me. I'm trampled by the first cow. I 100% assumed you were just going to say Shudder because that's a horror streaming service, but you went like full cow, like full <laughs> art house, Ari Arster version of internet horror. <laughs> but it wouldn't be one of the horror movies. It would be like some Czech documentary about <laughs> factories. <laughs> but it would just, it would just end in your death for no reason. <laughs> you just die at the end of it. So like, wow, I learned so much about Czech factories. Guess I'm gonna die now. <laughs> so informed. <laughs> Too much knowledge in my brain. The brain can't handle it. The brain explodes. <laughs> um, if movie would like to sponsor us, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a pretty good ad for movie, but they do not sponsor us. But they should, if they want to, you I'm know open what's gonna to it. kill me? It's this. This is the thing that's gonna kill me. It's not too much knowledge in my brain, or a cow coming out of my screen and like fucking railing through me, like at the end of season two of True Blood. It's gonna be Clarice Logrey's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my podcasting. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? It's how I'd want to go. Yes, let's move on because before I implode, <laughs> is there anything else about this episode that we that we haven't discussed that you wanted to talk about? The only other thing I wanted to add, I don't know if this was an intentional reference, mm-hmm. but Naomi Grossman's character, yes who's kind of the survivor of the previous massacres protesting, mm-hmm. really reminded me of Nadine from Twin Peaks. Yes, she did! And I know, I'm not just saying this because they both have eye patches, but mm-hmm. it's like the hair and the clothing and the vibe mm-hmm. all seemed really similar. And I, I just don't know if that was meant to be like that or it's just a coincidence. 
I would, I would, I think it's safe to say that she's probably a, a reference, but maybe not a direct, oh, this is a direct influence just to this, because the characters themselves don't actually connect in any way aside from like the visual vibe. Yeah, and I guess they're both sort of like presented as, as people like potentially delirious characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so shall we wrap up our conversation about American Horror Stories Drive-In? Yes. Well, we will be back. But in the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Let us know your solutions to the glass animals final puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on at the next Supremes pod and you can tell us what you thought of uh, the episode in general as well. Just just give us your thoughts. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Also, next week has somebody from Riverdale on it. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, wait, who is it? Who is it from Riverdale? Is Charles Melson. <gasps> oh, the guy who plays like that yes. dumb football man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember what his character's name is, but he's on Riverdale. Excellent. I mean, I've watched Riverdale and I can't remember what his character's name is, but dumb football man is usually how I talk about Archie. Also, Danny Trejo's in it. Oh, good for As him. a murder Santa, I think. Excellent. Oh, no way. I just read the synopsis. <laughs> no. Have you read what the synopsis is? Read it to me. What is it? A group of influencers face a reckoning after posting a problematic video. <sighs> it's Danny Trejo playing cancel culture. Is usually how I talk about Archie. Also, Danny Trejo's in it. Oh, good for As him. a murder Santa, I think. Excellent. Oh, no way. I just read the synopsis. <laughs> no. Have you read what the synopsis is? Read it to me. What is it? A group of influencers face a reckoning after posting a problematic video. <sighs> it's Danny Trejo playing cancel culture. Oh. <laughs>